In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. At last, Easter is here. What a wonderful day. A wonderful day. And, you know, wonderful means literally full of wonder. Good. And I've been thinking about what this means for us on Easter Day. And I've concluded that there are at least three ways in which the resurrection is an event that is full of wonder and surprise. There are three different dictionary definitions of the word wonder, which I think are rather helpful. First, wonder means to think, to speculate, to be curious about something, as in, I wonder what happened. Well, that's not a bad place for us to start on Easter morning. After all, what did happen? I think the first thing we must acknowledge is that what happened was not what was expected. What the women encountered on that Easter morning was a huge surprise. St. Mark gives us the barest of details. Three women, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, went to the garden tomb very early in the morning. They went there to get a job done. They were doing what women often do in times of crisis or grief. They were working. They attended to the practical things that needed to be done. And to that end, they had bought spices to anoint Jesus' body. I suppose it wasn't strictly necessary. Joseph of Arimathea had already taken care of that when he laid the body in the tomb. I suppose what the women were doing wasn't going to achieve anything, at least not in any utilitarian way. Maybe that was the excuse the men had for not being anywhere to be seen. (laughs) Who knows? But given that most of them had fled the scene on Good Friday and Peter had out and out denied ever even knowing Jesus, the men were in no position to criticize or make any excuses for themselves. But what do you suppose the women were wondering about that morning? What were they thinking? What were they expecting? Well, it turns out, at one level at least, it was all rather mundane. On the way to the tomb, the thing uppermost in their minds was how on earth were they going to shift the stone? Again, the absent men might have questioned why they were embarking on such a pointless expedition in the first place. They clearly hadn't thought it through or planned properly. Any fool would tell you that three women wouldn't have a chance in heaven of moving a burial stone. Still, Mark tells us, rather matter-of-factly, when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been walled back. Great, they needn't have wondered about that after all. And so in they go and they walk straight into the tomb. Well, this is all very surprising. After all, this is the account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You might think that the resurrection would have happened with a bit more of a fanfare. I mean, after all, when Jesus was born, massed choirs of angels filled the skies singing glory to God in the highest and peace to those on earth. When Jesus was resurrected, 
We're not told how it happened. We're not told exactly when it happened. And there was no one there actually to see it happen. By the time the women arrived, Jesus had already been raised from the dead. The tomb was empty. And so for many hearing this account today, the first sense of the word wonder, that curious speculation, I wonder what happened, can very easily, and I might add understandably, shift to the second meaning of the word wonder, which is to doubt, as in, I wonder if it's true. I wonder if it really happened. Now, I should imagine those first women had their own doubts as well. Even though the tomb was empty and a young man, whom most would agree Mark uh, means us to understand, is an angel, told them why, nevertheless, many wonderings must still have been there. How can this possibly be true? Dead men don't rise. This simply doesn't make sense. And of course, the empty tomb begs the question, why? Why is it empty? But the angel spells it out. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. We could spend the rest of our time looking at all the evidence that supports the case for the resurrection, especially concerning the varying eyewitness accounts of those who visited the tomb. But I'm not going to do that this morning, save to say that if we were meticulously to piece together the accounts contained in all four Gospels, the evidence to my mind is very, very compelling. And, of course, there is also much additional evidence over the course of the days and weeks that followed, during which time literally hundreds of people saw Jesus alive and and had encounters with him. I said there was a surprise alongside each wonder. Well, the surprising thing in this wondering, as to if it's true, is this. Looking back as we are, on the greatest story ever told, with the resurrection as the central linchpin of our Christian faith, an event in history that, if true, changes the course of history, and if false, is the biggest lie and hoax ever proclaimed, and which, if false, makes fools out of all of us. Well, given these high stakes, wouldn't you have thought that God would have done a better job of leaving no possible holes in the account or unanswered questions surrounding the resurrection. For starters, you might wonder why the first witnesses to the empty tomb and later to the resurrected Jesus were women. That's just crazy. In, in those times, women weren't credible witnesses. They couldn't give evidence in court. It doesn't make sense. Unless, of course, it's not set up to provide watertight evidence for a first-century prejudiced court, or for that matter, a 21st-century court of cynical public opinion. Rather, it is merely true. The women were the first people on the scene. That's how it happened, and that's how it gets reported So we've wondered what happened and seen some surprises. 
we've wondered if it's true and seen some more surprises. Now to the third meaning of wonder. Wonder. To be filled with admiration, amazement, or awe. To marvel at something, as in, I am filled with wonder at what happened. Mark tells us, as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. I should say, their wonder at this point was not the stuff of armchair wondering. No, this was the immediate, real, in-your-face, gut-level, panic-type wonder. They were alarmed. And here's the surprising thing. Initially, at least, their wonder was not some praise-filled amazement. It was sheer terror. We know that's the case, for at the end of this brief account, Mark reports that they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. They said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. They were completely taken aback, astonished. They were beside themselves. Their heads were swimming. But what about you? How do you react? How do you wonder in this third sense of that word? My desire this morning is that you might get caught up in this most profound sense of wonder. That you may know in your heart and soul just how wonderful this day is. And that, I realize, is a tall order. It's a tall order because most of you have heard this all before. It's a tall order because we live in a world that is rather bereft of this kind of wonder. Indeed, there is, in many quarters, a a certain intolerance of mystery. So in the place of real mystery, we are wowed by the latest iPad or iPhone or some other technological wizardry. When we would do better if we paused long enough to be in awe, say, of a flower that opens in the springtime. I don't know about you, but I've loved our bulletin covers through this season of Lent that's just finished. They started out, and you can see the originals on the table at the back, they started out with the mere hint of what looked like a pretty dead, chewed up, nothing of a bowl buried in the ground. Yet each week, we've been treated to a glimpse of that which was growing secretly, getting longer and taller, reaching for sunlight as shoots from that bowl grow and push their way to the surface, bursting forth into flower, as on the front of today's bulletin cover. You know, on Palm Sunday, the first Palm Sunday, Jesus had said these words. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. In this, he was referring to his own death and resurrection and the hope of resurrection for all who believe in him. Herein, friends, lies the wonder, the mystery. 
I said last Sunday that there's no Easter without Good Friday. And some of you know all too clearly and painfully where your Good Fridays are. Indeed, I suspect many of us have a pretty good sense of our own deadness without God. I was very moved a couple of days ago on this Good Friday as hundreds of folks gathered here. One thing I shall never forget is seeing scores of you queuing up the aisle to come to the cross that stood in the place where our Paschal candle stands today, to touch that cross, to kiss it, to stand, kneel, or lay before it silently or in tears, and the bowl that we had at the back and then brought forward to the cross that in which people place their written confessions or their burdens at the foot of the cross, that bowl was literally overflowing. Oh, how wonderful to know that Jesus paid the price for our sins and that he has borne our burdens. Oh, how wonderful to watch those pieces of paper go up in flames in the fire pit outside at the end of our Good Friday vigil. Today, the wonder is made full. For that first Easter was a moment in time for all time, a bursting forth to life and a breaking forever, the power and the despair of death. Does this mean that we all get to live happily ever after? No, of course not. We are reminded all too often that that's not the case. And yet, as we continue to live with much that is still broken in our lives, Easter whispers to us that our healing and restoration will come. For though we live In a Good Friday world, we are an Easter people. And we have an Easter faith that shouts in the face of death and despair, Alleluia! Christ is risen! The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. So today, will you pause here long enough to capture again, or maybe even for the very first time, just how wonderful this is. Wonder is a funny thing. It's, it's hard to describe, hard to package. It, it can't really be worked up. And when it comes to the wonder of the resurrection, it's not something that immediately makes sense. Biblical scholar and pastor Eugene Peterson writes, writes this. Two of our primary ways of dealing with reality are by understanding and by using. Understanding takes a new item of experience or information and makes sense of it by fitting it to all the other things we already know. Using tests out the new experience or information in the actual routines of what can be or has to be done. But this resurrection is inaccessible to either of these Understanding and using are displaced by sheer wonder, astonishment, and amazement. So today, I want you to take our three definitions of wonder. First, 
Be curious about God. Be curious about what is going on at Easter. Not in the sense of having the perfect theories of the atonement or cast iron proofs for the resurrection, but in the sense of being curious about what being an Easter people means for us today. In the sense of wondering where God is at work in your home, in your workplace, your life. For the truth is, he is at work. And often he is at work in ways that take us by surprise, even in the mundane and the ordinary. Next, take that second sense of wonder, the the doubting wonder. I wonder if... And if you know Jesus, remember this, God calls you who have believed in him to be his witnesses. It was surprising that God would have had women be the first on the scene. And frankly, it's surprising still that he would have any of the likes of us to be his witnesses today. But he does. And if you're not a follower of Christ, then by all means, wonder if it's true. But don't rest until you can answer that question. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Jesus really was physically raised from the dead and is alive today. And I stake my life on that. Finally, ask God to fill you with that third sense of wonder, the wonder that surpasses our questions and our doubts, that goes beyond our reasons and our proofs, I pray that you will be blessed with the joy and wonder of what God has done, is doing, and will do in your life and in his world. For alleluia, Christ is risen. But before I close, there's one last surprise, one last detail that causes me to wonder. Maybe you noticed it. Mark tells us that after the angel tells the women that Jesus has been raised, he says to them, go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. There in the tomb... As the angel is imparting the most momentous and significant news for all people for all time, there was a specific message for Peter. Peter of all people. Peter, who just days before, after promising that no matter what anyone else did, he would be faithful, who in fact denied Jesus, swearing that he ever even knew him. And this morning, there is a message for every Peter that is here. Everyone who has betrayed Jesus. Everyone who has let him down. Everyone who has failed someone you love. The angel today, I believe, would say to us, Go, tell the disciples and John and Alison, and David, and Sarah, and George, and 
you get the idea. You fill in your own name. Tell them to go. You. Each one of you. Go. For Jesus is going ahead of you. Jesus says to you, go back to your families today. Go into work tomorrow. Go about your ordinary everyday lives, for I have gone ahead of you. You will see me in those places. Go, therefore, and make disciples, for Jesus has promised to be with us always to the ends of the age. Alleluia. Christ is risen. Alleluia.